Amen. Then now let's begin. Begin today's text. When ice, uh, when ice cream arrives, we will really have ice cream. Tonight I feel um, strong attacks. Why? Because the enemies are trying to make us forget about all the blessings that we have received until now. And today is also Chuseok, right? Korean holidays, so diverse spirits are acti active, very active. And I actually, um, if, if, if it is necessary, I fight them, but if I don't, don't have to, then I, don't, I just ignore them. So you guys also raise your face. So to, uh, today's morning, we saw, we looked until Galatians 3.22, and we saw these elements of Galatians keep being activated. And Paul has been emphasizing the faith and the righteousness. And what was the issue of um, Galatians Church is that they were um, they were corrupted to the legalism. So, so that's why Paul has been comparing the law and the righteousness. And what was this legalism of Galatians Church about? That. They were saying that they were saved by grace, but they need to um, make make their salvation perfect through the law. So this is a little different um, matter from these false teachers of Corinthian churches. The first false teachers of Corinthian church, in, um, instead of saying that they have challenged the gospel of Paul, they try to uh, break down the authority and the order of the church. But these, these false teachers in Galatians, they were exclusionists. They were heretics. Even though you were saved by grace, but you need to fulfill that, accomplish that through your action. So that's why these heretics are keep saying that you need to you need to receive the law, you need to keep the holidays or, or those ceremonies, and you have to be circumcised. So this is the core core of. of Catholic, right? They talk about Jesus, but they always emphasize the action or deeds. So we need to break them down, right? So Paul is continuously comparing these two things. And beginning from verse 23, uh, it's a continuation of that, that comparison. Paul is now beginning to talking about the faith and the law. Now he's comparing those two things. So what Paul said until now is He's saying that without faith, um, you cannot say your life is a life. So do not consider this lightly. So always, if you are saved and if you if you say that you are a child of God, then the only method that you should live your life is by faith. So living without faith, you can still say that you are living, but actually speaking, you are not living at all. 
So if you live by the law, you are binding your life in perspective of book of Hebrews. Jesus made a new order in Hebrews 9.10. So, so if you live in, in, in an order that is not that new order, then that your, your life is not, not alive. You cannot call that life a life. So the only way that we can live is by faith. Only by that order that Jesus has made, we can live. And we cannot actually call someone alive if that person is not standing righteous before God. Why? Because if a, if a sinful person stands before God, then he will die. So all, all mankind must meet Jesus at least once. Of course, children of God must meet God every single second and every moment, right? But even the non-believers, they must meet God at one point. But if you are not in a righteous status, if you meet God, then you will die. So you cannot actually call a person who is not righteous as a alive person. The righteous shall live by faith. So that then faith must be the only standard of our life. And because you have been manipulated by Babylon in your mindset, you might misunderstand that you still can live by something that Babylon gives instead of faith. And when you go to America, there's Niagara Falls, right? And from from the uh, the northern from the the what's it called the higher part of the fall, there's a this sign saying that do not go this way because if you go down down that way, you will fall down. But because the streams are not not that fast, you if you ignore that sign and if you take that path, all of a sudden the stream will be so fast and you cannot control yourself. And only thing that is left before you is is the downfall, the fall, waterfall. So then you, you will say bye bye and then you finish your life there. It's the same. If you do not live by faith. And people who do not live by faith, they see the sign, do not live like that, but they ignore that and you see, you, you, you go down that path, but all of a sudden, you, you find yourself falling down to the waterfall. So this is the conclusion of a person who do, who do not live by faith. So people misunderstand that they can still live by Babylon. They misunderstand thinking, oh, I am still, I can still be happy by things that Babylon gave me because I have lots of money in my bank account, I have family, I have a nice job, I can still live. That's a big misunderstanding. No, that's not a life. You should, you should prepare yourself a, a tragic death. And you have you have witnessed it through many many people's life, right? 
And because you are living by Babylon, you never listen to the warning of God. So we must live by faith alone. If we do not live by faith, we cannot live. Do you believe it? So spiritual people, when they enter into deeper status stage of, of spirituality, they will have more sensitive relationship between God. And in that sensitivity, what they should focus is that whether I am having a f having having a right faith or not. So the most thing that they should repent about is the the moments that they did not live by faith. Oh, I should have talked to that person in faith. I should have reacted to that moment by faith. So as your spirituality um, goes deeper and deeper, people of God will know that. That this sensitive relationship always consider whether I am living by faith or not. Whether it is towards suffering, whether it is toward good things, whether it is toward human relationship. In all those aspects, you must live by faith. So this must be the only pattern that should uh, exist to children of God. Amen. So if you just live as it flows, then you are like a dead fish flowing down on a river. So you will see a downfall uh, at the end, and you will finish your life saying bye-bye. Then it will be too late, right? You will, you will know, you will, <laughs> you will not have the the, the calm um, heart to say bye-bye. Then, anyways, Paul is beginning to talk about faith, and let's begin looking at verse 23. Before the coming of this faith. And Paul is keep comparing the law and faith. Whether it is Jew, whether it is a Gentile. If, if you live by the law, it means you're living by yourself. And if you live by yourself, You might think that living by yourself means that you only consider yourself being selfish. Oh, it, it should be me. I, I, only I need to be prosper. But God never made a person to live prosper who live by himself. And even church of God is a selfless being. So even people, these self-centered people call the church as my church, my church, and they are so focused on your church only. But as you see Zoe ministry, in these days, this is not a season that a one excellent church to stand out and lead everything. No. And in our church, we made a prayer group to pray 24-7, right? Why? Because we understand that without our without our intercession, uh, Joy Ministry churches cannot cannot um, stand and overcome these these attacks. So now we are facing these circumstances that we cannot overcome these attacks or these difficulties by ourselves. 
And I always emphasize this. So a ministry is not a ministry that you you use it for the benefit of your own church. No, so a ministry is a church itself. So all different churches of Zoe ministry, they are different body parts of Zoe ministry. And over 20 years, I've been emphasizing this, but there are so many people in Zoe ministry who do not understand this. And because we are in a new season, we should see the new fruits. The South American churches, they just received it in an ear. They realized, oh, it's not about my church. It's about being a member of this, this great church, Sue Ministry. That's why I love them. Well, actually, it's heart of God rather than my heart. That's why God wants to keep pouring them something. So to God, He must love someone who understands what the church is and someone who devotes himself to the church. But someone who lives by himself will always focus on my church, me, me. No, but that's not the order that we should have. And tomorrow I am planning to um, have a, a warfare against spirit religion. But anyways, Paul is keep comparing these, these uh, core uh, parts of uh, religion and the faith. But what's, what's life of faith is living selfless, selfless, becoming God-centered. Faith you have in God, trusting God, relying on God. That's a clear difference between the law and the faith. Okay, and let's continue. So living by law is, as we have been talking about until now, is living by the flesh. So-called sarks that we use. And if you are in a sark status, um, your body is controlled by sin and you will continue to be bound. And law is, is absolutely sarks. No matter how hard you try, no, no matter how much you disguise yourself as a holy one, it's all about it, you're just sarks. Sarks is a being that only reacts to the law. So when the law moves, the sarks will move accordingly. And it is a, re a related issue to the sin and you will be controlled by the enemy. But faith, grace, promise, freedom, all these are in spiritual relationship. This is a law. This is an ironclad law. And it means that you are in a new covenant of relationship. It means that you are under the rule of God's word. Then it, 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 it also means that you are under the rule of the Holy Spirit. And it means that you became a being who can, who can move through God's authority. And that kind of person can surely use and practice the authority given by God. And this should be clear. An old self will show all the evidences of old self. And new self will show all the evidences of new self. So the moment you begin the spirituality, 
you should clearly distinguish between the new self and the old, old self in order to um, grow mature in your spirituality. But there are many people who do not understand this difference. So, so it is impossible for them to have a battle between the new self and the old self. You should clearly identi identify yourself whether you are in a new self status or an old self status. Then you will, you will feel it easy to fight against, against your old self, whether am I in a new self status, whether am I in an old self status. It does not require you a long time, but, but this, this is a conclusion that you will, you will get after a certain period of time struggling um, to focus spiritually. So it does not just happen naturally to a person who does not uh, tries to focus himself to the God to God so the time might differ between between people and as I said yesterday what's what's the secret of our victory it's about how much would you pour your amount of energy and time to God or not and all the promise that God gave us is just tremendous. But to the people, to many people, they are so abstract and they are so vague because they, they do not, they cannot maintain their new self status. So they don't understand what it means to go before the throne of grace. And of course, that person probably have experienced the moment going before the throne of grace. But because he failed to maintain the new self, he does not know what it means to experience this joy and this, emo this, this uh, excitement. So we must maintain this new self. We must stay in God's presence as long as possible. The more you stay in God's presence, God will do the greater thing through you. And in that presence, you will experience the true joy and true excitement. Okay, let's continue. Um, is it before the coming of this faith, what's the reason why Paul said before, before the faith comes? Because he's, he's trying to say that in the Old Testament, there is no faith. Of course, it appears that Old Testament also used the term faith, but, um, but frankly speaking, it's not the faith. Of course, there is a prophecy in Habakkuk saying that the righteous will live by faith, but it's, it's just a prophecy. Habakkuk is saying that, that the faith will come. And these New Testament writers, they received that prophecy and they unraveled that, that faith in, in the New Testament books. And we talked about this in the book of Romans. So Paul is talking about the Old Testament era when he is talking about before the coming of this faith. So when we talking about when we talk about faith, uh, it means that yeah, the the New Testament has begun, and that day, uh, uh, faith begun from 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 the coming of Jesus. What's the importance of talking both Old Testament and the New Testament? 
because all the New Testament uh, truth are rooting rooting their basis in in the Old Testament. That's why we 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 look at Old Testament at the same time. So we must we must uh, preach Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time. But of course, there are some terminologies and concepts that only exist in the New Testament. So only through the New Testament we can understand some some concepts and ideas of, of Old Testament, just like Isaiah 53. Only by the Old Testament you cannot understand that story of these these um, suffering servant or this persecuted servant. So the Israelites, so the Israelites still still think that that a chapter as a story of Israelites instead of instead of Jesus. And and also the term the term predestination does not exist in the Old Testament and faith also. So they are they are all the terms that they are made in the New Testament ever since Jesus came on this earth. So these these must be distinguished between the Old Testament and New Testament. And just like just like Hebrews 11:33 and 34, when we live by faith, it means that through faith, through faith, we have this evidence of His promise and 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 the confirmation of of that promise. But in the in the Old Testament, they have promised, but they do not have the evidence. So the ancestors of faith, they they are even in, in the different dimension between us, because they have promised, but they do not have the proof. They do not have the evidence. But we are the ones who have both the promise and the proof. And Hebrews 11:2 says, and these these ancestors of faith will take your perfection as their proof, as their evidence, as their evidence. That's why they are cheering for you. Why? Because if you fail, they cannot have this proof of perfection, this evidence of perfection. Why? Because the assembly of God is in a life relationship. Just as if your if your arm is healthy, your body is also healthy, because because you are a member of an assembly, the church. When you become perfect, the the church of God will also be perfected. So that's why the ancestors of faith are cheering for you. The angels are supporting you. That's why Jesus is praying for you. So there is no reason for us to fail. We have no reason to not to be successful and not to be victorious. But what's our unbelief? We are trying to discover hundred and thousand reasons why we cannot succeed. But there is no reason for us to fail. Amen. Even for, before four thousand years ago. From Abraham, God already gave us this promise, and God confirmed the promise through Jesus. So, so if you if you fail to be victorious, then help yourself.
What I'm trying to say is, how can you believe in the thing that is impossible? So us, us being defeated, that's impossible, right? But why are you trying to believe in that impossible things? So please make me understand. Please make me understand. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, make a joke, but why are your faces so serious? Right, there's no reason. We don't have any reason to be defeated. Amen. Okay, let's continue. So, we are we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be rebuilt. So, what's the purpose of Paul saying this? He's trying to say, we, st we have faith, but why are you still still, uh, still being imprisoned by the law? Why are you being bound by the law? He's trying to say this. He's saying, why are you living so stupid when, when you have faith? So here, it is describing an image being ruled by, by, by the law and being bound. So if you live by the law and if you live by your own strength, you will have only one, one conclusion, being bound. So your life must be powerless. Why? Because you keep being bound. Until, uh, until you reach the end of your life, you will keep being bound by, by this law. If you have lots of money, do you think you will, you will be able to do more things? No. Whether you have wisdom, whether you have power, whether you have authority, if you are just living by the law, your life will be bound. The person who only has money, he cannot do anything. Because I know, I know many people's ministry who only have money. Just believe. So if you live by the law, your life will be bound and be, your life will be tied. And I will talk about the freedom, but if you live by faith, you will experience this freedom. Nothing, nothing will be, become a stumbling block before you. You will not stumble because of money. It does not mean that you will have lots of money, but you will be freed. You will be freed from the rule, rule of the money. So no surroundings, no circumstances and conditions can, can grab hold of me. And you should now begin to, to see these things. If you become an age of me around like 80 or so, but you know, if you become old like me, then you will begin to see these kind of things. I'm not saying then now I can do everything. But I'm trying to say that, that when I'm with God, nothing will become, become hindrance before me. Because I did not bound, bound myself, I did not bind myself with this law. I, be, I lived completely selfless. I lived completely relying on the things that God gives. So that's why I am not bound. I can request for anything to God. I can ask for anything. If I need a, a <laughs> vacation house, then, then I will request that. If I need kidneys of these young adults, then I will uh, ask them to offer them. I can say anything. Because God is telling me. <laughs> why, why are our church members so being silent? 
right? In our church, I can say anything. I have no hesitation. All right, anyways, let's continue. So, so you will be held in custody under the law, and you will be locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Oh uh, no, no, that was to that was to come would be revealed. So when Jesus come, when Jesus came, a faith came in as a revelation to us. And faith means that Holy Spirit will bless us. And Hebrews 9 is saying the exact same thing, nearly the same thing. And through Jesus, the new season has come, and all the old seasons has been set aside. The sacrifices, the law, the tabernacle on this earth, and the old covenant, and, and the sacrifices and the offerings, all those had been set aside. And now, and now through the coming of Jesus, we now have this new order. And one of them, of course, Hebrews is not mentioning that, is faith. Now Holy Spirit opened faith through Jesus. In Hebrews verse 7, it says, While you're on this earthly tabernacle, God did not uh, reveal the new revelation. Uh, as far as I know, it's in Hebrews chapter 7. Alright, never mind. First, uh, chapter 8. Okay, chapter 9, verse 8. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. So before Jesus, before Jesus, entering into the most high place in heaven was not open to anyone. So they are all, all in the same context. Because we have faith, now the revelation of the heavenly tabernacle is opened and the new order has been opened. They are all the things that Jesus had accomplished through his first coming. So it means that our only method of our life should be living by faith and the new order that he has made. We cannot live by any other thing. Just as Hebrews 1-2 says, God, God talked through all the prophets, but now he is only talking through his son. So without, uh, without, um, without through his son, he will not talk, he will not reveal himself. And only through his son, he will rule. Uh, 
So the term that he used to give the authority of rule to his son is this royal son. He is the only one to rule rule the whole universe. And as it as it is as it appears in the later that. Oh, and we also receive this name of children of God, but living, living like a loser, then, then it's a nonsense. And still uh, having having the name uh, name of child of God, and still following the world, compromising with the people. Just, just tell me that you don't believe in Jesus, then, then it will be easy for me to understand it. Please come and make me understand, please. Alright, or do not say those nonsense. Alright, anyways, let's continue. So what's the what's the function of law? It will make you to be bound and it will make you to be locked up. That's the law. That's the damage of the law. So if you live by the law, you will be bound, you will be tied up, and you will be locked up in a prison. You will become powerless until you cannot do anything. It does not happen to our, our, our country, but we see, we are now witnessing that all the world are entering into this powerless era, right? Everyone's entering into this powerless, powerless status. How fearful is this? So let's continue. Verse 24, that's the damage of the law. In verse 24, Paul is talking about the good function of the law. What is it? So the law was not the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. So, so as I said, law uh, work, uh, law functioned as a teacher to to teach you about the sin. So law is functioning as a as a like a kindergarten teacher who will make you to grow mature until you reach to to the true Lord. To Gentile, it's the same. Uh, let's say, let's talk about the prayer. You are supposed to be praying under the grace of the Holy Spirit, but from the beginning you cannot do that like always. So you you cannot um, teach teach you how to pray. So you must pray under the law for a certain period of time, and then law will function during that time to lead you to the mature mature prayer. That's the function. That's the function of the law. Okay, uh, let's eat the ice cream. Okay, with your mouth eat ice cream and with your ear please uh, listen to the sermon. Oh.
raise your hand if you haven't received an ice cream so that the, the students can distribute ice cream to you. <clears throat> continue we've been talking about the functions of the law the bad function of the law is that it will make you be bound but the good function of the law is that it will it will work as these uh, kindergarten teacher to you until you grow mature so that's the good function of the law Paul did not mention this directly but when we look at book of Romans The good function of the law does not just show because we live by the law, but because our spirit is still in the flesh. Um, that's why the law law is working as a good function. So the issue is whether we will live by the flesh or the spirit. So by the new self by the, the spiritual status. That's when the law will function as a good, good function. Let's move to verse 25. So the core here is that comparing between faith and the law. Righteousness and the law. Verse 25, now that this faith has come, so Paul is saying that Jesus, because Jesus has come and, and God gave this faith through all the payment that Jesus has made, we are no longer under a guardian. empire back then until you become 18 you are not you don't have a legal right to receive the inheritance from your father that's why um, they had this system to help out these this they had this mentor kind of system to help out these this heir to become mature so what Paul is saying that we don't we no longer have we no longer have to be under the guardian anymore it means that Jesus already paid all the price in order for us to become become an heir. For example, think of yourself that you are an heir of a Samsung group. Your life will be changed completely, right? Let's say Kisu. Think about think about it. If you are an heir of a Samsung group, then, then before you before you um, like like billion girls will stand before you to get married.
think of think about it you are now an heir of kingdom of God that's why these angels are lining up before us from Seoul to Busan so really if you live by faith living by faith it means that all the promise of God is being embodied in me so, so this joy and excitement and this confidence must arise in me. Just thinking about just becoming an heir of Samsung will change your life completely. But imagine yourself being an heir of Kingdom of God. You will have no reason to be powerless like that. Only reason is because that you don't believe in that. Church is the same. What's the church? Because, because you don't believe what the church is, you become powerless. Fundamentally, church is, is, is something that God will take care of it completely. It's not about the size. It's not about the number of the people. It's only by the eyes of the people who say that, oh, we have more people, we have bigger building. God never, never cares about that issue. What God really cares about whether is whether it is the church of God or not. If it is the church of God, then God will move the church through all His scale and His glory. So you can never be powerless. You can never be under under worries and concerns. There's no reason for you to not buy a vacation house for your senior pastor. As I always say, no, pa pastor ministry is not about your talent or your excellency. All the pastors that I have met until now, they are about the same. They are not so different. It's about believing in what the church is. That's the where that's where the key of the victory is. So never once in my ministry I have I have compromised the truth of God. And my wife and my wife is my witness. She she knows it exactly. Never once I have compromised the, the true essence of the Church of God. Nor have I conflicted with the world. Not because I'm an excellent person, but because I believed in what the Church is. Oh, this is Kingdom of God. He is the Lord. He will take care of that. So there's nothing for me to do. I just believed in that. And from that faith, God moved everything. Amen? Let's continue. So, so living by faith is that tremendous. Verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So through faith, by faith, they are all the same word. So, so in Christ, we become children of God. So 
so why, by what in faith are we becoming children of God? It means that if you have faith, it means that you have received all, you have received everything that Jesus has paid. He finished all my sins. Through faith, I realized that God gave me all this dignity, and moreover, realizing that I became a temple, I became a new creation, and now I am under God's love. And also, I now became a new covenantal being, and now the spirit of adoption came in me, and it confirmed me that I'm an heir of His kingdom. Now He's calling me as a son of God. This is an. This is an. These are the events that happened on the day that you were saved. So on on your day of salvation, you cannot stand because all these events happen at once. So you cannot stand, right? Becoming an heir of Samsung itself itself is an amazing thing, but because because you will have all these um, photographers coming at you and trying to get you an interview. They will um, take photographs and and girls will queue before you, so you 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 cannot stand, right? Just becoming an heir of Samsung will be be like that, but. But remember the day that you were saved. And Paul is saying that we are son of God. Son of God actually is an identity that Jesus had. Even though Jesus came on this earth as a perfect human being, he still understood his identity as a son of son of God. Even though he was the same being as us, but he still had his identity as a son of God. But what's the problem? And living as a human being, and if you if you practice and perform the authority and the power as son of God, then then it will be a problem. Because if if he uses that, then the qualification of salvation will be will be nullified. And as a human being, he died and he resurrected and he, he proclaimed the perfect victory. But that, but then that victory will be will be destroyed. And now Jesus said that you will do greater things than me. And he became a model of life for us. But he cannot became he cannot become a model. So even though he had an identity as son of God, never once he was able to use that identity. So it became a weakness to him. So living with this identity and still being a human being is a, such a difficulty and a weakness. He could not do anything when these devils are, are like teasing him before him. So it's a pain, right? And then... 
And then through his, his perfect life that never committing a sin, relying on the Holy Spirit, and on the event of the cross, just like the confession of the centurion on Mark, uh, Mark 5, Mark chapter 5, centurion, he said that, oh, you truly are, are the Son of God. And through that event, he received the name as Son of God. And Romans 1.4 says the same thing. Through the Holy Spirit, he was resurrected and he was acknowledged as Son of God. So he lived completely relying on the Holy Spirit without committing a single sin. He died and resurrected and he became victorious and he became Son of God. And, and according to Hebrews author, he became perfected by uh, striving and, and spilling all the blood and water. So these are all talking about all the sacrifices that Jesus has made uh, in order to receive the name of Son of God. So this, this title of Son of God was not uh, entitled to him just by, by, uh, by nothing. But now God also gave, entitled us, us the same name, Son of God. Son of God is a being that even these angels cannot even stare at. And that glory that comes out from the light of his face that is that is too far powerful that the angels cannot even see that either but we are in the same nature of God we can see the light that comes out from his face so receive it by faith receive it by faith just just see how amazing how tremendous this dignity that is given to you is so we are in the same we are in same nature as him so in all the covenant of the bible we only have one difference between jesus and between jesus he god gave us all the scales and all the dignity and authority and even the name as son of god how amazing is that And if you don't believe in this, I mean, how can I explain more? Do you believe in this? You believe today and you don't believe tomorrow. How about you, brother? Every day, every moment, continuously? Should I ask Tower? Do you believe?
when you believe this, uh, the so-called uh, revolution of, of the existence will happen. This is all about righteousness, right? If it comes to me, there's nothing on this earth that becomes a stumbling block to me. I'm not saying that you will no longer face the uh, suffering and tribulation. I'm not saying that you will be filled with all the riches. But, but you will be able to um, uh, face all of them in faith. Just as Paul said, whether whether he's in poverty, whether he's in in, in difficulty, in, in happiness or sadness, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this confession will come out from you. Is this only is this thing that is only bound to Paul? So you will you will no longer say, Oh, because I don't have this I will die. Oh, I'm I'm done because I don't have this. No, you will never say these kind of things. No, never. That's how amazing this identity as son of God is. And he gave that to me. He gave that to us. And among with with many uh, many other names that were entitled to Jesus, they all have characteristics of king. And to us, they they made us a royal beings too. And so, because they, he gave us the title of Son of God, it means that um, this is the name that characterized the the authority of the rule and reign. Because he is Son of God, Jesus is Son of God. He has the authority to rule over creation. And because you are also the Son of God, you also have the authority to rule over all creation and the universe. What what is that? That's the core of the church. When I wake up around 2 or 3 o'clock in, in the morning, I pray until 8 o'clock in the morning. I, I pray for many things. But naturally, uh, usually, Holy Spirit leads me to pray for the churches around the world. And God makes me to pray for all the uh, decision of the history of the world. And that's how God made me to pray ever since he met me. I did not understand that back then, but, but it is because that I am a son of God that I have the rule to, I have the authority to rule over the creation. And even in the church, church have the authority to rule over all creation. So churches must pray like that too. So Son of God is a name that has a characteristic of an authority to rule. So we use the term Christ too, right? And the term Christ has a uh, context of a king. Why? Because back then in the in the Middle East, they they poured oil to to the kings, right? So because because you are a king, you are being anointed. And God is keep pouring anointing to you to work for Him, right? What is that anointing about? Is it an anointing telling you that, oh, you are a private, you are a soldier? No. It is an anointing telling you that you are a king. So all the ministry that I do is a royal ministry. 
So in the perspective of rule and reign, we are son of God. And in, in, in religious way, you are, you are anointed ones. So all his scales and his power are, are equally given to us. One difference, we have one difference, what is that? As we always say, he is an independent God and we are dependent God. So if we believe all this completely, then we, we, we should be completely dependent on God. So our dignity will rise up as high as heavens, but at the same time, our humility will be um, uh, as low as possible. This is a clear evidence of the people who believe in this identity. You will surely be dependent on Him, that Son of God. Do you now believe that you are a tremendous being, you are an amazing being? You are Son of God. You only can confront His face, face to face. Even the angels, if they, if they see, see His face, they will be blinded. Okay, let's continue. Verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So through faith, he gave us the identity of Son of God. And Paul is also saying how how did we receive the title of Christ? Because we must be baptized in order to to unite with the Christ. So being united means that you are going into that. So in order to do that, you need to be baptized. In Romans, uh, Paul said that we were um, we were baptized through something, but I lost. But, but because the sin and death cannot be separated, I died with Christ. And by dying with Christ, we became a being that is un uh, united with Christ. According to Colossians, Colossians, because uh, when he was buried, we were buried with him, and we were resurrected with him, and we were also seated next to the throne of God and we will come down with him. These are the events that were embodied in us through the death of Jesus. So that's why Jesus' death is my, my death. Jesus' burial, my burial. Jesus' resurrection, my resurrection. Jesus' throne is my throne. And he, Jesus' coming is my coming. These are historical events and these must happen every day. And now we are united with Jesus. And now what happens? We are being clothed with Jesus. In other words, we are wearing these royal garments. Once again, it's all about the kings. These are the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 3. Joshua is wearing, wearing a, a royal garment even though he's a priest. Why? Because Jesus will be a royal son and a royal priest at the same time. That's why Zechariah was prophesying this. So that's how he became a royal son and royal priest at the same time just like Hebrews chapter 5. And just like Zechariah, we will have this coronation to become a, a, a royal priest. 
you have been um, acknowledged as kings, but surely we will have a day of our coronation. And the wedding of the Lamb is a wedding, and at the same time, it's a coronation. And we are, we are facing toward that day. We are going toward that day. And I bless you that you will be the main characters of that, that event. Do not be a crowd. Do not be one of the crowds. So it's all by the grace of he, his work. You are wearing, you are wearing this royal garment, royal clothes. In perspective of the new self and the old self, just like Ephesians 4:24 says, you are wearing the clothes of a new self. Because only the new self will have the dignity of a royal being, as a royal being. So you need to wear this white linen and this royal, royal garment. Then you will show, you will show the authority as a king. If you are wearing a uniform of a policeman, you will show the authority. You will be able to show the authority of a policeman, right? But you are because you are wearing a royal garment, you will show the authority as a king. So all these standards that Bible is talking about toward you is a royal being. So why? Can't can't you be confident? So what you believe will determine what you will become. Because you believe what God says, uh, that's why you can do, do whatever you believe. And because you believe that you are a beggar, you are keep being ruled by the world. I mean, it would be less less pitiful if it is impossible. But Jesus already paid all the prices for us to to do it. But you still fail to do this, so that's why it is so painful. It's all about unbelief. Okay, now you are wearing a royal garment. Amen. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is, there, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in Galatians church, there were Jews and Gentiles, male, female, everybody. No matter who that is, they are all in one. So when we say they are one, it means that they are in same nature. So it means that in one church of God, him becoming the head, everyone will become body parts. This term one have this characteristic of relationship. For example, in Gospel of John 17, when Jesus prayed for his prayed as a, as his last will, he continuously say that I abide in you and you abide in me. I in you and you in me. In this one, one relationship, I will invite you to be united in this relationship. And he used this term, Greek word, haste. It has a meaning of one. So existentially, we are in same nature. We are in same nature with him. So I'm not, I'm not telling you this in order to be arrogant. But in in this dignity that God gave us, we are in same nature. And it also has the meaning of union, unification. 
just as this triumph God is being unified, He invited us. He invited us in that relationship, so we can abide in Him and Him abide in us. So in this relationship, we are moving as one unified being with Him. So when God moves, who moves together with Him? Holy Spirit. I, I cover this in Gospel of John. And when Holy Spirit moves, who moves together? Jesus moves with Him. And who else moves with Him? We also move with Him. And when we move, who moves? Holy Spirit will move. So in this amazing, amazing uh, relationship, God invited us to be unified with Him. So what's the most fundamental relationship in the spiritualities? Is having this dynamic relationship with this triumph God. And when we have this relationship, what happens? Just like Colossians 1.15 says, all creations uh, will be supported by Him. So all creations are under, under His rule. And when we are united with Him, I will also participate in this dignity as a son of God to rule over all creations. And without telling, him, uh, revealing his secret to his servants, God will, uh, God will not do his work. And, and with, with, as a partner of his rule, God chose Jesus, and God also chose us to be, be his partners too. So now we have we have this relationship with God in the church. And and God does not work when church church does not pray. So when when God does something, God will surely God will surely make his children to pray for it, to proclaim about it. So that's why in Ephesians Paul said that church will let church will let the angels know about these revelations. So you should now realize oh how tremendous being I am. I am moving together with this triumph God in same nature. What's our arrogance? It always comes from misunderstandings. We need to understand that we are completely dependent being. We we are in in this dynamic relationship. Then we will see how the creation moves, how Earth rotates. This is not something supernatural. I'm talking about this fundamental characteristic of God and dignity of God. And when I abide in you, and you abide in me, you need to believe in this. Let's continue. Verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And the flow continued from Abraham to Jesus until then. And now Paul is uh, going upward. If you are... If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Amen. We are an heir. An heir have the authority as an heir. You are an heir. Amen. Amen. Let's continue. 
in chapter 4 from verse 1 to 7, uh, Paul is, is uh, criticizing these, these false teachers, especially the Jews. In Galatians church, there were Jews and Gentiles. Of course, there were many groups of people. So from verse 1 to 7, Paul is criticizing these Jews in Galatian church. From verse 8 to 16, Paul is talking to the Gentiles in Galatian church. And from verse 16 to 22, Paul is telling, telling this Galatian church, because I ministered in this way, you also should minister in that way. Okay, so let's look, look at these verses like that. All the same repetitions. Alright, let's finish the sermon within 10 minutes because it's all repetition. It's only 11 o'clock. The reason why you guys ate ice cream <laughs> is, is confessing to me that you are okay to hear the sermon longer. <laughs> you are receiving so much blessings, but how can I finish the sermon so early? If you do not receive blessings, then just return to your room. It's okay. But there's no one... <laughs> There's no one going back, so okay, just please be seated. Well, let's continue. Many years ago, when I went to the prayer mountains, I, it was a prayer mountain in Gapyeong or somewhere there. I went there to, to do the fastings. When I go there, I do not usually attend the conferences. But I had this inspiration to attend that conference that were taking place over there. But, but that pastor who, were leading, who was leading the conference, he, he, he did not preach well. And because I was fasting also, this... this this frustration comes, this frustration comes, comes, uh, arose from me. And he said, he said, if you, if you do not receive blessing, then just return, return home. And no one went back home, but I, 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 I was the only one who back, went back to my room. I had to be honest, right? But, but even though if you do not receive blessings, do not return back to your room. Always, you must be honest. All right, let's look at verse 1 to 7. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave. So it's the same story we talked about before, having a guardian before you reach age of 18. This is a status that you are living under the law. Although he owns, he, he owns the whole estate. So the law, law is always a, a low class, it's, a, it's low quality. But if, when we look at Korean churches, um, the people who are acknowledged by the, the pastors, they are the ones who strive and they are the ones who put lots of effort. No, that's immature. Churches must put um, people who are mature in spirit in priorities. People who live by faith, people who live by the spirit. 
people misunderstand. If you try your best, if you strive, and if you put all your efforts, you are doing well. No. So living by law is immature. Verse three. Verse three. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental uh, spiritual forces of the world. What does it mean? It means that we are becoming a slave of the law. So you are being led by these bindings of the law. But who are we? We are, we are heirs. We are not slaves. Verse 4. But when, when the set time had fully come, God set, sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. So Paul is talking to the Jews. He's mentioning about Jesus. The Old Testament has been finished and the New Testament has come. It means that Jesus became a complete human being, born of a woman. So he's referring, he's quoting the prophecy of Micah. He was born under, under the law. He was born as a Jew. Verse 5, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And because Jesus was a Jew, the redemption, the object of redemption was Jews. So our core of redemption, redemption and salvation is always about an heir. Um, and the term here that does not appear in, in English uh, is, is like a qualification. We receive adoption to sonship. So, so when Paul used this term adoption, he always focused on one thing, which is, which is the, this adopted son will also have the full authority to inherit all the, the estate and, and all the materials of his, his new father. So as an adopted son, we can also inherit all the kingdoms, kingdom of God and all, all the inheritances. Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent, his, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. So spirit of adoption in Romans. This is a specific terminology that only Paul uses. And through the spirit of adoption, we are uh, God. Through that spirit of adoption, he, he confirms that we are his adopted sons. We are his heirs. That's how we, we can call him Abba Father. No matter what we, what we pray, because we have this, this relationship with him as an heir, we can, call, we can ask for him whatever we want. So in your mindset, you must always think like that. Praying is like like taking something away from God. No. Praying is is officially asking to to a king as a royal being. So if you have the authority of name of Jesus, if you have his glory, so if then then if you ask, you must have the principle of receiving. So if you do not receive, then that's a problem. Either you receive a uh, uh, persuasion of God, the reason why he did not give, or you need to go through a certain process. 
And many people think if you get reply from, from God, then it's a lucky thing. No. Our fundamental relationship is all about being, uh, being replied always. Verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. So we no longer have a spirit of a slave. We are no longer a slave, we are heirs. That's why we have this inheritance. So when kingdom of God comes, we will be existing in his kingdom as heirs. We will not be his slaves. We will not be workers. We will not go to kingdom of God in, in that identity. You will be existing in that kingdom as heirs. In Zephaniah, what does he say? That you will gain, you will earn fame and honor. What kind of fame and honor? Praise and honor. Praise and honor as an heir. What kind of fame? Fame as an heir. You are a royal priest. Fame and honor on this earth, people might not um, prioritize that that much, but but in, in the world where all the wickedness and all the evils are disappeared, God's fame and honor will have a, a tremendous worth. All these angels and ancestors of faith will acknowledge your fame and honor. Then you will show your dignity and your sovereignty as, as royal beings. How amazing is that? All right? From verse 8 to 16, uh, Paul is talking to Gentiles here. Formerly, when you did not know God, so when he's saying you, he's referring to Gentiles in Galatians churches. They did not know who God was, right? So they were slaves. You were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. Verse 9, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, whether you know it or not, I used to know Queen Elizabeth. How tremendous is that, right? I knew Queen Elizabeth, but what's the problem? Queen Elizabeth didn't know me. So there are many of you who are believing God in that way. Hey, I know God, but God does not know you. Ha, what a tragedy. So the relationship between God must share the acknowledgement, experience between one another. Second Samuel, in Second Samuel, God said that God will weigh our action. In Psalms 146, God is a God who continuously knows us, experiences us. How is it possible for the omnipotent God to, to experience us and know us, get to know us? And we must have this relationship. I know God and God must know me. You should have this, this balanced spirituality. You should always experience God. And here the word know is ginosko. 
you should always experience. And at the same time, God must experience you. He He's always uh, trying to get to know you. So as your relationship uh, mature, you will become a familiar being with God. You will know each other so well. With my wife, it's the same. I am now living with her for 30 years. Um, we, 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 we share this spiritual relationship, giving birth to six children. So we don't even have to talk to one another in order to know, know each other's hearts because we deeply understand each other. So now it is so happy when we are with, with one another. And sometimes if we are not with one another, then it's okay because we understand one another so well. This kind of relationship has been built between us. And between God, you should have, you should have this kind of relationship. Of course, I'm not saying the amount of spirituality, amount of time of spirituality is what matters. But the more you spend time with God, the deeper your spirituality will become. And God will, God will understand you more and more. You should share this kind of relationship with God. That's why the relationship is so important. But among you, there are some of you who only understand God in a theory, but who have never experienced God. So your prayer will be always like this. God, good morning. God, good afternoon. God, good night. Goodbye. There's not much you know about God. But the but more you love about a person, the more you meet that person, you will spend more time with that person, right? If you love that person more, you want to spend more time with that person. You want to spend spend over a night and it, it will not become boring to you, right? When you love a person, then that's what happened to you. That's what happened to me and my wife. I lived in this one town and she lived in a town uh, next to our town, which, which, take, which took me about an hour drive. And when the time, when the time, <laughs> when the time of goodbye came, I had to drive her back home, but we didn't want to uh, say goodbye, so we came back again to my hometown, and then we went back to her town, and we went back and forth, back and forth. That should be the same within your relationship with God. Look at Enoch. That's what, that's what he did in his life. God came to Enoch and said, Hey, Enoch, let's hang out. And they hung out and God returned back home. And he came back again to Enoch and said, Hey, Enoch, let's hang out. Uh, so every day he was hanging out with God. And, and they spent all night long hanging out. And and God all of a sudden, hey, you know, why don't you go go to my house? That's a relationship that we should have between God, getting to know each other. How amazing is that? 
if you understand who he is, then then it's such a nonsense. Getting to know me, he gave up gave up upon his omnipotence because he loved us. Let's say I'm a king. Let's say my wife is here. Hey, you kiss me. You should love me. King have authority to do that, right? But, but using that authority, you cannot love. God's, God is the same. God can use all His power and authority to make us to love Him. But He cannot. He could not do that so that He Himself became the same human being. That's the love. So when whenever you are, whenever you are suffering. You cannot pray this wicked prayer saying, Oh Lord, you will never understand me. No. Amen. Okay, let's continue. So what happens? Verse 9. How, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? So weak and miserable. He's talking about this exclusionism. exclusionism. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. Paul is not, not criticizing the, the ceremonies and, and the festivals, but Paul is saying that you can never uh, accomplish the salvation through, through your action and the law. Verse 11, I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Paul is saying, oh, uh, um, remember all, all the effort that I have put into you, preaching all the truth of God to you. And from verse 12, Paul, Paul is talking about his ministry. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. So wrong is an antonym of righteous. So Paul is saying that I have never preached something that is wrong to you. I have only preached the righteous, righteous things to you. He's saying that I only proclaim the, the, the perfect truth to you. Verse 13, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. I don't know, I don't know um, what it was, but Paul had an illness. Uh, many scholars say this and that, but we don't know exactly what that was. But verse 14, and even though my illness was a trial to you, and Paul calls this illness as a thorn in Corinthian, in 1 Corinthians. But to two Corinthian churches, uh, to a Corinthian church, um, for example, his weakness might become become an uncomfortable thing to church members of Corinthian churches. For example, like uh, like uh, murmuring or or being weak. But even though Paul was weak in his speech, he was an amazing writer. But anyways, Paul had some kind of weakness like that. And, uh, and, Gal and Galatians church members also considered that uncomfortable too. But what's important? Paul said that you did not treat me with contempt, uh, contempt or scorn. 
Instead, you welcome me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. So Galatians church knew that Paul was man of God. They acknowledged that Paul was servant of God. Even though Paul had that weakness, they acknowledged him. So in verse 15, what, what is Paul saying? Where then is your blessing of me now? So Paul is saying that the time of acknowledgement of them became blessing to them. What, what does that mean? It means that because they acknowledge Paul as servants of God, it means that Corinthian church accepted kingdom of God through Paul. So that's the blessing of church members of acknowledging their pastor as servant of God. For example, Thessalonian church. They considered the gospel of Paul as word of God. So they received all the word that Paul preached as word of God. That's the blessing of them. What's the blessing of church members fasting and praying for the pastor? No matter what pastor preach, they will be able to believe that. That's why this relationship between pastor and the church members are so important. Let's look at verse 15. I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Look how much these church members have acknowledged God. Paul even admitted that they acknowledged Paul as if they were able to turn out their eyes and give them to Paul. What does that mean? It means that those church members also saw the same glory that Paul saw. The more they acknowledged Paul as servant of God, the more they were able to receive all the messages that were preached by Paul. And as I always say, there are many people like this. Hey, I have no problem with this, within this relationship with God. I only have this little issue with my pastor. Ask God. Go and ask God. To that person, God will always say, no, no, beep, beep. Oh, well, I have no no problem with, with God. I only have issue with this pastor's wife. I can guarantee you. If your relationship with your pastor is sound and right, then your relationship with God is right. So to, to a servant like Paul, who is putting his life to the truth of, truth of God, having wrong relationship with him, it means that you are saying that you will rebel completely against God. And of course, some of you might think that, well, I don't have problem with God, but, but I, I just don't like some characteristic of pastor and pastor's wife. And then go, go ask God, God, you still love me, right? Then God will say, who are you? I can guarantee you. God will say, um, who are you? So that's how important the relationship with, with pastor is. No, do not think that you should treat the pastor in humanly nice way. No, just think that he is a represent, representative of God's kingdom. He is the one who is entrusted this responsibility of God's kingdom toward this church. So if, there, if, if there's any of you who have a wrong relationship be, between pastor, then please repent deeply. 
Because your life will be bound. Your children will be bound. I can guarantee you. There are many evidences and proof saying that in Bible, Hebrews 13, Galatians chapter 6. That's how important this relationship between the pastor is, many, in many reasons. One of them is because of the, of the message that the pastor is preaching. You, can, you cannot acknowledge, acknowledge the gospel when you do not acknowledge your pastor. If you do not have a right relationship with the pastor, I will, I will teach you a song to sing with, with, to those people. Curse is falling down, curse is falling down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, verse 16. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Back then, they used to have a good relationship, but now they begin hating Paul because Paul is telling them the truth. Something is going wrong, right? And, and this is a tragedy. And because there are many pastors here, and they will, they will sympathize to me. And... <laughs> when you say nice things to, you, to your church members, they will be like, oh, pastor, pastor. But when your relationship goes wrong, then they will, they will begin uh, calling different names to the pastors. But anyways, let's move, move to verse 17. Those people are jealous to win you over, but for no good. Here, those people are referring to those false teachers. So if you do not have truth, if you do not have a true gospel, it will be no good. So that you may have zeal for them. Uh, what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. If they had true gospel, they will never do something to divide the church. Verse 18, it is fine to be jealous, provided the purpose provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. If it is, if it is to establish a glorious church, then I will encourage you to be jealous, but, but it is not the case. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 19, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So what's the core of pastor ministering of Paul? Is to, is, to, um, is to complete the image of Christ in all the church members uh, of Galatians. So pastor ministry is not about um, storing lots of church members and drawing lots of church members in your building. 
So it's not about number. So no matter how many are there in your churches, your goal must be to make them uh, make them to complete the image of Christ in them. So you should not have greed to to gather many people in your church. But what's the difficulty of of doing this? Difficulty is not not about drawing a new picture on a white paper or in, in a blank paper. But the difficulty comes from plucking out what has been written wrong, what has been drawn wrong. So that's why Paul said that he needs to go through the pains of childbirth again. So the essence of kingdom of God. Um, spirituality is all about um, taking out all the essence of kingdom of God which is already indwelling in me so when you when you untie all your bindings of your flesh then your uh, then all all the kingdom of God indwelling in you will be, be revealed and revealing these are the core of your spirituality but always putting in wrong truth, Jesus vaccine, legalism, spirit of law, because you are storing all this in you, it will be so painful for you to complete the image of God through you with, with those things. So creating, making new things is not difficult. But plucking out the wrong things and making making it new is difficult. So in Galatians church, they made this this right right gospel through Paul. But because they received this exclusionism, it became so painful for for Paul to pluck out those things. So in that matter, we should always be vigilant and we should always be aware of them. Because solving those issues of wrong truth is so difficult. That's what Paul is saying. Lastly, verse 20. Lastly, verse 20. I told you that I will finish the sermon early. Verse 20. How I wish I could be with you and wish you with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. So Paul is saying he's changing his tone. What does that mean? Until now, Paul was speaking harshly toward them, but now he decided to not to not to say so. Paul is saying that the reason why he was uh, he was saying saying so harshly toward them because is because he had a doubt toward them. Now an emotion has been changed in in him. Okay, let's finish here and let's pray. Tonight, let's sleep early. Let's sleep quickly. And we have four more sessions, right? And we have many things before us that God planned. We need to be ministered. We need to do impartations. Okay, let's pray. How long should you pray? Until you digest 250 calories of ice cream that you have, you ate. 
ice cream is about 250 calories, right? No? 90 calories? <laughs> Some of you ate 300 calories of ice cream. Some of you ate 90 calories. Okay, just don't go back to your room. <clears throat> because the spiritual atmosphere atmosphere is so good. You should digest these words. In our church, I tell the people that this is a season to enter into the most high place. So you should also enter into these most holy places. Just like yesterday, turn off the lights, please. And let's return to our room after praying. Father, Father, tonight help us to enter into your presence of your glory. Lord, within our personalities, let all the words to be activated through your anointing. Father, help us to receive by faith that we can only live by faith. And help us to give up upon all our methods of our life that is not faith. Father, pour us the spiritual power. Father, as we pray, Father, unravel many things and untie great things in us. Father, open your heavens. Hallelujah.